0: Hi, welcome to the Brooks Online Gathering. Uh, my name is Muchi Uke, one of the pastors here at the church. We're super excited that you can connect with us, our family, our friends, even those who would consider themselves on the fringes, but also, and even specifically, our first time guests. If this is your first time uh, connecting with us, man, special welcome to you. Wherever you're engaging with us from, wherever you're connecting from, there's a link in the chat portion that we would love for you to fill out. Uh, we want to we get to know you. We want to figure out your story, figure out what God is doing in your life. The assumption is that he's working because he always is at work. Whether we see it or not, God is at work in among and through us in some pretty amazing ways. And so we wanna figure out what's going on in your story and connect you to our story. Uh, and so you can see how God is working in through among us as a church. One of the ways he's working in through and among us as a body, the brook, is we have the opportunity and the privilege, and dare I say the responsibility to come along a brother of ours, Carlos Lillette. Carlos Lillette is the lead pastor of a church called Reality Miami. Now, Reality Miami is already gathering people who have this heart to see transformation uh, take place for people and the community of coconut growth. Um, It's a movement of people who are serious and ambitious about family and, and the body of Christ existing beyond just one moment like a Sunday. Carlos is a tremendous leader and we are excited about what he is getting ready to do on that side of town. And we are privileged and responsible to join him in that work. And so even this evening, he's having an interest meeting, uh, another one of many, where he gets to just unpack uh, the simplicity, yet the richness of his heart and what God is doing in and among and through him. And we want to invite you to be a part of that and so uh wherever you're engaging with us from in the chat portion there's a link to that meeting tonight join him in that especially if you're part of the church especially if you live on that side of town Uh, again we want to come alongside him not just in this moment but in the ones to come and we get to hear from him again in a few weeks as he continues to unpack his heart and how god is working in through among him. If you have a Bible, uh, Psalm 139 is where we're going to be for the duration of our time. Won't be um, too long, I hope, uh, but Psalm 139 is an opportunity for us to see the cornerstone of this series. And honestly, not just an opportunity, but a springboard into the rest of the series. We're starting a series today called Dreaming in Color. Dreaming in Color is a concept that we've kicked around for some years now. And it's a concept that really wrestles with the question, what could happen if God got a hold of somebody's heart and God getting hold of somebody's heart led them to say, here I am, send me. Here I am, do work. Here I am, God. God. If God got a hold of somebody's heart in such a way that he started to create an ever-increasing, ever-expanding view of himself for them and of what life could be in his hands, then we would dream differently. We would lean into vision. We would lean into the picture of a better future. We would lean into the opportunity God affords every one of us, which is to resist subtly for what we could do ourselves and step into faith for what God could do in, among, and through us. And Psalm 139 gives us what I think is the base framework for such a bold reality. Psalm 139, it is the contemplations, the inner workings of David's heart and soul, as he is working out truth he knows about God, truth he knows about the world around him, and truth he knows about his own life. In his outworking of all of that truth, we get invited to step into that same space to say, God, Do work. God, investigate what's going on in me. God, give me the courage to join you in that investigation. And would that investigation lead to a different type of dreaming? And so we'll look at Psalm 139, we'll establish the base framework from a few verses, and then we'll close with some questions based on the application that the text gives us, Psalm 139, I'm going to start in verse 13 and then we'll end in verse 16. Psalm 139, 13 reads like this. For you formed my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you. When I was being made in secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth, your eyes saw my unformed substance. In your book were written every one of them, the days that were formed for me. When as yet, when as yet, there was none of them. This is a very rich psalm. Now, I must admit that as rich as this psalm is there are ways in which we reduce it and honestly strip it of some of the richness that it has and so in this psalm, david's contemplations you start to get some theological truth regarding who god is so the beginning of the psalm where we read and then even at the end of the psalm you get to see the omnis of god the omnis of god are the attributes that separate god from us so the theological concept uh, that we have as people is this idea of the Imago Dei. It means that God made us uniquely from the rest of creation, that he blessed us, he gave us dignity, he gave us design, we're going to get to that, we read it, A- and he said, be fruitful and multiply, and that there's certain aspects of humans that uniquely represent what God is like, The other parts of creation cannot. And so there are communicable attributes of who God is that we bear as humans. Volition, we have will. Emotion, we have affections. Cognition, we have thoughts. And so there's some communicable attributes of God that we bear as humans. But there are some incommunicable attributes of God that he bears alone, the omnis. He's omnipresent. That means that he's everywhere at all times as he pleases. And even in those moments he can be some places in special ways, manifest presence, omnipresence. David says this, where can I go from you? Where can I run from you? Can't run anywhere, you're there, you'll find me. We also get omniscience, that God knows all things perfectly and completely. It's rich, it's beautiful so david even thinks about he's like yo like i can't even fathom your thoughts isaiah picks this up isaiah 55 my thoughts are not your thoughts my ways are not your ways this is god speaking for as high as the heavens above the earth so my thoughts above your thoughts and my ways above your ways he's like god your your interaction with knowledge and wisdom is vast and superior you're omniscient you're omnipotent that means you have unique power all power unmatched unchallenged and so there's, there's some theological richness here. There's this invitation to what's going on in David's soul that we can learn from here. But this is often reduced in, in two ways in particular. This is reduced to, to reduced to kind of be like this self-help bumper sticker type scripture. Oh yeah, you're fearfully and wonderfully made. It's like almost like raindrops and ro- And it's like, wait, wait, there's some, there's some teeth to that. But then it's also reduced to only talk about life in the womb. So what we read, verse 13, he said, like you formed me from my mother's womb. You, you knitted my inward parts. You knew me, that omniscience again, and, and you worked. That's a beautiful concept, that, that God was forming personhood and life in the womb. Now, often again, we reduce this to use this as our primary bullet, our silver bullet, for the sanctity of life. And we have ammunition here. I was a human before I took my first breath. I had life before I stepped outside of my mom's womb because God formed me. So there is ammunition here. But when you reduce it to that, often we neglect the part that I think we should underline verses 15 and 16 in particular where it says, I didn't just form you in the womb, but I formed days for you as well. Which means a more expansive understanding of the sanctity of life is not just that life exists and has dignity and weight and value in the unborn womb, but life exists and should have that same dignity and value as one lives out the days God made for them. That's a more comprehensive picture of the sanctity of life. But we reduce this scripture and we rob it of its richness. We get to see God's handiwork, not just around us, but in, through, with us specifically. He says, you formed me and days that were yet to be. The baseline structure is this. The baseline framework is this that God has formed every single human with particular days in mind. And God has formed particular days with some humans in mind. Now that might sound like, well, that seems like the same thing that you're just trying to be poetic. Well, no, there's a different emphasis. One puts the emphasis on the uniqueness of the people. The other puts the emphasis on the uniqueness of the days. Such a time as this. God has some pretty crazy days that we're in. COVID, nobody woke up January 1st, 2020, and was like, you know what? You know what I know is coming? This global pandemic. And they started preparing for that. But God, God had those days, those particular pandemic days in mind. And he was already forming people who could step into that. But then we know, so that's putting the emphasis on the day. we know that there's emphasis on particular people. He said, my inward being, my, my uniqueness, my personhood, my identity, that's the reality of calling and God's signature on your soul. That you're different. That there's certain aspects of you that are different than other aspects of other people. Some of you are way more creative than other people. And I just, that shouldn't make you arrogant. You just, you just may be an abstract thinker. There's just so much uniqueness there. Some of you were formed with particular attributes that are, that are needed. Let's, let's take MLK. Think about MLK's cadence in communicating. It's powerful, it's rich, it's captivating. You can just sit and listen to him talk. His voice box is different than other people's. But God formed him with this unique voice box for such a time as the 60s. Days in mind specifically for him, the emphasis is either on the person or on the days. And that's fair game because the core of it is this, God has plans for your life. And we have the responsibility, the opportunity and the privilege we have the moral spiritual imperative to discover what those plans are and then to do based on the discovery. Now, discovery happens in two ways. You have discovery that is primarily proactive. You realize something is missing or something is incomplete, something is quote unquote, in Accurate or inadequate and so it puts you on the offensive. It makes you proactive and you move to go discover But then you also have discovery that's reactive case in point uh, I've been functionally a bachelor uh, since Saturday <laughs> We had the prayer and action rally shout out to the Ann campaign and the several churches that came together uh, To see that take place. It was it was riveting it was encouraging But right after that, I dropped my wife and my kids off at the airport uh, because my kids were going to go spend time with their grandparents in Texas. And Diamond, because we don't want our kids to fly, we don't want our kids to fly alone. I understand that unaccompanied minors is a thing, but for us, that wouldn't have been a good thing. So Diamond uh, flew with them, and she was going to fly back on Wednesday evening, and so I was functionally a bachelor and I was like, "Oh, you know what I'm about to We're going to play poker every night. I'm going to be on these. Yeah, I'm going to eat whatever. First of all, I walked into my house after dropping them off. And I noticed this note on my refrigerator that just punched me in my chest. (laughs) Because my wife is amazing. If you follow me on social, you saw that note. Um, But you know what happened? It was actually day two. Day two was Father's Day. And I got up and I went to their rooms and I spent the day sitting in their room, like crying <laughs> and praying for them. And I ended up falling asleep and I woke up and I was like, man, I really love my kids. Like, and I knew, I knew that, I knew that. But the extent of it, it became fresh based on this absence of their presence. This new discovery was reactive, if you will. I didn't go out seeking to think if I'd love my kids. What I already knew I did. But because they were absent, I was reacting and I found something out that was powerful. And I love them a lot, deeply. And I really can't imagine life without them. Now that's me. Now, this is, I'm also saying that so this can be recorded for perpetuity, that my kids will always see this, that daddy loves them. But discovery, we have the imperative to discover, and some of that is going to really come just by living life on purpose, and then reacting to life and realizing, oh, God, you, you're doing certain things in me, and you're doing certain things around me, and that... Work can overlap, but some of it is going to come from the activity that David gives us. Read. He says it at the beginning, but he says it at the end Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts, and see if there be any grievous way in me, and lead me in the way of everlasting. David is saying, God, you know it all, but I don't. So God, would you search me and show me? But that statement isn't distancing him from the work of discovery. That statement is David stepping into that work. That the investigation into his heart isn't by God just poofing idea into him. It's by David interacting with his heart in an authentic way with integrity and interacting with God in an authentic way with integrity and interacting with the world around him in an authentic way with integrity. Show me if there's a grievous way in me. How do I know if it's grievous? God, I have to know and understand your standard. And to know and understand your standard, I have to engage with it. Your law. That's why David wrote in Psalm 119 and Psalm 19, that your law is a lamp to my feet. It's the standard that I measure my life against. And so if there's anything broken in me, it's not because I just randomly figured it out. But I will understand the extent of the brokenness when I measured against you, God. And and if there is this broken way in me, this grievous way in me where I am leaning into evil, God, lead me into a way everlasting. Help me to turn from sin and turn towards an everlasting, ever-increasing experience with you. I repent. It's not this, God, zap me with information and I'll figure it out. It's this stepping into the discovery process and when we step into that process not only will we get to see some stuff that may be scary and broken in us sin but we'll also see that other aspect the stuff god has uniquely placed in us for his design and we can say oh my gosh you you put that in me you put that in me now why would you do that God, why would you give me a mind that thinks in order? Why would you do that? Why do I tap my feet when it seems like people aren't efficient with their life? Now, why would you do that? Why is it easy for me to be a shoulder for other people to lean on and to help them process some of the deepest pains in their life? Like, Why would you do that? It's a discovery that leads to awareness, which should produce affections for the work of the hands of God, like David said, but then actions to dream for what that work could look like in the future. Wherever you're watching, in this moment, I'm gonna pray, and I want you to pray with me. These words, search me, O God. Search me. And as you pray those words, I want you to do that again tomorrow. Search me, oh God. And I want you to do that again on Tuesday. I want you to do that again Wednesday. And I want you to do that again Thursday. I want you to do that again Friday. And I want you to do that again Saturday. I want you to do that again Sunday. And I want you to keep doing it until the searching becomes so instinctive that you in humility and courage, come up with what God is doing in your life. Part of that humility and courage is by not searching solo. Over the next few weeks, we're going to hear people who I think are dreaming in color. And their dreams are not just for themselves, but they're for others. As we hear them through God's word, Would that stir in us the reality that God has made us with particular days in mind and made particular days with us in mind? And we have the privilege, the opportunity, the responsibility to discover what those days are and then live them out well. Pray with me. Search us, O God individually. Show us what might be hidden to the naked eye, but is plain to you. Surround us with various vantage points of our hearts that would produce a greater picture of vision of what could be if we had the, the courage and the humility to say, here I am, of oh God. Do work. This we ask in your name, Jesus.